1: You're watching Global BC.
2: This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news in South Surrey that stunned the neighborhood.
3: The integrated homicide investigation team is at a home on 10th Avenue and 161 A Street. There's no official word yet on exactly what happened, but there are a number of police cars on scene, as well as two ambulances.
4: I'd seen uh, this guy laying in the middle of the road uh, clenching his stomach and uh, making weird noises and they had a couple guys uh, uh, trying to help him out, that's all it looked like and then the police showed up and uh, he kind of went into the backyard there and then that was
5: it This neighborhood's pretty quiet, to see something like this yeah, yeah. is uh, kind of different
3: now, we do have a crew on scene, and we have reached out to police for information. We will bring you any updates on this story as they become available. Now, some new details in a cowardly attack on an autistic man in Toronto that might have a B.C. connection.
2: Police believe three suspects caught on video could be from the lower mainland. Jay Durant has more on the men police are looking for. And why it's believed they're from B.C. Jay, first a warning. This video is going to be hard to watch for some people.
4: That's right, Chris. Peel Regional Police have received hundreds of tips since they released the video last week, including credible information that these suspects reside in the Lower Mainland. You can see the innocent 29-year-old man putting on his rollerblades at the bottom of stairs when... Three guys come in and jump him, punching and kicking him repeatedly. Now, obviously, no one deserves this, but making the attack even more cowardly is the fact the victim is autistic. The violent assault happened on March 13th at a bus terminal in Mississauga. The suspects have not been identified, and police are asking for the video to be shared here in BC.
6: We've discovered that this was an unprovoked attack, and the victim uh, suffers from autism. I wasn't even aware of what was taking place at the time. We've discovered that the three males responsible are originally from the BC area, mainly lower mainland area. So if you're uh, out in Surrey, Abbotsford, or Vancouver and you're watching the uh, surveillance video and you recognize any of the males, we're asking you to contact uh, either Pure Regional Police or your local police department.
4: Now, the video has already been viewed nearly 400,000 times. As for the victim, police say he is still very shaken up and is recovering from a broken nose and cuts
2: to his face. Chris? All right, let's hope that video leads to a tip. Thanks, Jay. Now, RCMP need your help identifying the suspect in a hit-and-run involving a pedestrian. It happened around 8 o'clock last night in the 2700 block of King George Boulevard. RCMP releasing these photos. The suspect vehicle is believed to be a black four-door sedan with a tan interior, possibly an early 2000s model Acura TL. The driver was wearing a black coat. The passenger, as you saw, wearing a light-colored coat. Police are also releasing a photo of a van, the driver of which may be a witness to the collision. Anyone with more information is asked to contact the Surrey RCMP.
3: Now to a story making international headlines and its B.C. connection. A scandal involving the exploitation of private information from millions of Facebook users allegedly to benefit U.S. President Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. The man at the center of it all from this very province revealing a company he helped found is responsible for the leak. Raminadea has more on why he came forward and how it all works.
7: I do feel responsible for it. It's something that I
6: regret.
8: The whistleblower Christopher Wiley, a 28-year-old from British Columbia, the young data scientist dropping a bomb on Facebook.
6: It was
9: a grossly unethical experiment because you are playing with an entire country, the psychology of an entire country without their consent or awareness.
8: Wiley helped found Cambridge Analytica, a data analytics company that he says harvested private information from the Facebook profiles of more than 50 million users. The data exploited, says Wiley, to target voters in the 2016 US election, helping Trump win the White House. We
6: were able to get upwards of 50 million plus uh, Facebook records
8: in the span of a couple months.
1: These
5: sorts of tactics are very
1: effective
8: undercover video from a British broadcaster reveals the dirty online tactics Cambridge analytica is accused of deploying to take down political rivals
6: I mean it sounds dreadful thing to say that these are things that don't necessarily need to be true as long as their
8: Both Facebook and Cambridge Analytica deny any wrongdoing. The social media giant says it only found out about the alleged data breach in 2015 and asked Cambridge Analytica to delete the user data, which it claims it did. But the New York Times says it hasn't happened.
9: The
7: New York Times has viewed a portion of the raw data involved in this breach. So we know it exists and we have every reason to believe it is still in the hands of Cambridge Analytica.
8: Canada's privacy commissioner says the reports raise serious privacy concerns. He will be contacting Facebook to look into whether the personal information of Canadians has been affected. Ramina Dea, Global News.
2: Are you feeling the pain at the pump? Gas prices in Metro Vancouver are approaching an all-time high, at one fifty-four nine for a liter of regular. We're about a penny off the record and experts say it's going to go even higher. Grace Key joins us with more on what's driving the prices. Grace.
10: Yes, several factors are playing into this with prices expected to hit $1.60 in the coming weeks. If you think prices at the pump are high now, get ready. They're about to get even higher. Prices are expected to hit $1.60 after Easter, and that has drivers frustrated.
6: This is crazy. It's obnoxious.
10: Wow. The reason for the current hike, the Olympic pipeline between Oregon and Washington is going to be down for a few days. That's on top of the Parkland refinery undergoing maintenance in Burnaby. According to a senior analyst with GasBuddy.com, the Trans Mountain pipeline supplies about 50 to 60% of our region's needs. Parkland and Burnaby, about 25%. And the rest comes from the U.S.
4: A very large market, but with only a very tiny refinery. And other than uh, getting uh, gasoline from the constrained uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline, we have to buy it from the Americans and they're charging uh, a tremendous premium.
10: Sky-high prices at the pump once again highlighting the debate over the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project.
5: I don't think that um, we're going to be having uh, any bargains from increasing uh, supply because most of the cost of the financing of uh, the infrastructure that would be needed to do that, they're going to want their money back not in 50 years but in 15 years. The very fact
4: that a pipeline would be built, or at least have the potential for that, would uh, see prices move down.
10: Prices are expected to climb past the June 2014 record of 155.7. Two refineries in Washington state will be shut down for spring maintenance. An Environment Canada mandate for more expensive summer blends of gasoline is on the way. And on April 1st, the carbon tax increase kicks in. All this adding to an expected $1.60 a litre in two to three weeks.
4: Get used to these prices, Vancouver. Uh, This is what happens when you paint yourself into a corner and you have not only the highest prices, you have them in large part because also the highest taxes of any jurisdiction in North America.
10: Now, we did notice the Husky behind us here on Powell Street did drop its price to 150.9 late this afternoon. Now, GasBuddy.com is predicting maybe about a penny break, possibly on Wednesday, and then prices back up to 156.9, possibly this time next week. Chris?
2: And that would be a new record, wouldn't it? All right, thanks very much, Grace. (laughs) Keith Baldry joins us from Victoria now with a look at how much of that fuel price is inflated by taxes and whether there is any political will to change it might be able to guess on the second point Keith but first let's talk about the tax
11: Yeah, you heard in Grace's story the point being made that Metro Vancouver pays the highest gas taxes in all of North America. Uh, A little less than one-third of the price of the pump right now is basically taxes. It's not just gasoline. So here's how the taxes break down. First of all, Metro Vancouver pays a transit tax of 17 cents per liter. That's the highest of any uh, geographical area in the province. There's a federal excise tax of 10 cents a liter, a provincial excise tax of 8.5 cents a liter. That carbon tax that Grace mentioned currently sitting at 6.7. The sense, that's going to rise a penny April 1st, and uh, federal sales tax uh, as well as 6.7% as well, add it all up. cents, folks. That's, uh, again, depending on the price of gas, roughly a third of the price you pay at the pump. Chris, you mentioned whether there's any political will to change it. The only one that can really be changed is the carbon tax, but I don't think that's going to happen. We've already talked to Carol James, the finance minister, environment minister, George Heyman, ruling any reduction out. They want to stick to the rise in the carbon tax because it brings in money, $240 million more a year in the coming year. That works out to roughly the size of Carol James' budget uh, surplus. So
2: no change there. No. Okay, thanks very much, Keith.
3: Now to a tricky situation many British Columbians may soon find themselves in when Canada legalizes pot this summer. If you travel south of the border, even to Washington State, where marijuana is legal as well, admitting your habit to the border guards could come with serious consequences. Ted Chernecki reports.
1: There's a big wall going up all along the Canada-U.S. border. You just can't see it yet. This according to an immigration lawyer in Blaine. Once marijuana is legal in Canada, and it's been legal in Washington State for five years, he expects U.S. border guards to be asking a lot of questions about whether you've ever smoked pot.
3: Oh, I'd say no. I don't trust the Marty red flag, so...
9: If I'm telling the truth, yeah.
1: Wrong answer. Better to not answer the question at all, because if you have used pot in the past, the consequences could be life-changing.
12: They're basically turned around, told to go back to Canada, and told that they are inadmissible for life. It
9: was like a billionth
1: of a gram. Remember this? Because BC Olympic gold medalist Ross Rebagliati admitted on the Jay Leno show 20 years ago that he had inhaled secondhand marijuana smoke, to this day he is banned from entering the USA unless he has a special waiver that costs close to $1,000.
12: He will be in the system requiring a waiver for the rest of his life because he admitted on the Jay Leno show. That is just the tip of the iceberg on
1: these cases. Today, Saunders went to Ottawa to warn the Senate hearing committee about the clouded future ahead. Canadians could be lured, he said, into believing that because it's legal here, they can openly admit usage. He says better to not answer and hope for a different officer next time.
12: Not every officer asks this question. It's discretionary. Um, But if you're asked this question, I've always told clients you're under no obligation to say yes. It's not a question. That is required to be answered at a port of entry. You're not lying if
1: you say nothing. There is an even easier way to avoid the hassle, and that's
2: abstinence.
3: I used to smoke pot, and it really stunted my growth. It really kind of made me a downer.
2: Ted Global News. Meantime, in the middle of the opioid crisis, there are questions tonight about why staff at the Vancouver Public Library have been directed not to intervene if they see someone overdosing last year nearly four people were dying per day in vancouver from an illicit drug overdose and yet library workers a place where the vulnerable often congregate are prohibited from administering naloxone even if they have the training
5: the incidents of uh, overdose are far fewer for those the rest of city staff but we have quite a few frontline workers Uh, on the streets and first responders that uh, obviously are trained for this. But we'll await the outcome of the review to see next steps in terms of uh, staff training and policy around uh, naloxone.
6: Take a look at some of these countries where they don't play games. They don't have a drug problem.
2: Meantime, U.S. President Donald Trump announcing a radical proposal to combat his nation's opioid crisis, spelling out what he calls a get-tough policy policy that would include death sentences for drug dealers. Health officials in the U.S. estimate more than 63,000 lives were lost nationwide in 2016. Right now, though, black ice, as we know, can be very deadly on B.C. roads, but a new pilot project is helping drivers get a grip.
3: The new technology is being installed in one lower mainland community prone to frozen roads, warning you of black ice you might otherwise miss. Jeff Hastings now on How It Works.
0: At 10 chronically icy stretches of Chilliwack Road New technology is warning drivers when there are signs of ice These are the LEDs, they will blink It's called a pat-eye It looks like a smoke detector, a large electronic puck stuffed with sensors This one measures temperature and moisture The lights on these will start to flash blue If the road conditions or surface conditions uh, exist for ice
13: What it does is alert motorists to freezing road conditions
0: The device is embedded in the road, buried below snowplow blade level. On a bright sunny day, this road is going to be bare and dry, but if the temperature is right around freezing late in the afternoon when the sun goes behind a hill and creates shade, ice can form very quickly.
13: Especially in the fall, the winter and spring. Road conditions can change throughout our community. You can have uh, your windows down on one side of Chilliwack and drive to another side and the temperature has dropped several degrees.
0: A similar above-ground unit blinks blue as it emerges from a bag of ice. This is what Chilliwack drivers will see. It can measure more than wet and cold, capabilities sure to be of interest to traffic managers moving to a networked road system. Traffic counts, vehicle classifications, uh, seismic, uh, snow depth sensors, those are actually being tested right now. The city of Chilliwack's traffic cameras can also see the blue blinking. Simple remote monitoring giving road operations crews early warning an ample opportunity to address problems on its 600 kilometer road system. Jeff Hastings, Global News.
3: Fraudsters never stop, and now an especially sneaky scam is spoofing familiar websites to fool you.
2: Our consumer reporter Andrew is here to explain why this one is so easy to miss. And it,
13: it seems like we're talking about a scam almost every week, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. It's true. (laughs) Thanks, you too. (laughs) Well, it turns out that little speck of dirt on your computer screen could cost you thousands of dollars. We are talking about a very sophisticated phishing scam that is relatively new and making the rounds, especially on cryptocurrency sites. The official name of the scam is the internationalized domain name Homograph scam. Now, scammers register a domain name with some international characters with accents on them that may be undetectable at a casual glance. And then they make them look like a well-known website. For example, if you don't notice that little dot underneath one of the characters like an N, you could be sent to a fraudulent copycat website designed to steal your personal and financial information. Recently, cryptocurrency sites have been targeted by this type of scam, but in the future, other popular sites could Could be hit as well.
5: The insidious part of this is lots of us have had the issue where we've seen uh, specks of dust or dirt on our screens and we scrape them off. And with this sort of attack, it looks like simply a speck of dirt, and you might not even realize you're actually going to a different website, not the one that you're expecting.
13: How can we protect ourselves?
5: Well, we can protect ourselves from this sort of attack using a lot of the same principles as we do to protect ourselves from any sort of phishing attack. If you get uh, an email that has a link in it, you know maybe just go to the website and type in the website address manually, for example. In addition, be careful of any particularly attractive ads you might see, especially posted on social networks like Facebook and Twitter,
13: So again, look very closely at the website address and look for oddities, including a misspelled company name or extra characters. But again, your best bet is to go directly to the website in question rather than clicking on a link. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me through my email address at globalnews.ca.
2: All right. Thanks very much, Anne. If there is an emergency in this province, your smartphone will soon be able to give you the heads up.
3: The new nationwide emergency alert system is part of a federal program, and testing begins in May. Linda Aylesworth tells us how it works and the drawbacks. There was
14: a time when sirens were the go to emergency warning system. Their chilling sound sent people running for cover. Sirens are still used today. Earlier this year they warned several coastal Vancouver Island communities that a tsunami could be on the way. Through the years other warning systems have joined in, radio and television.
4: This is a test of the emergency broadcasting system.
14: Now yet another form of communication is about to be recruited, cell phones.
4: And This is a significant step forward, a use of another technology that gives us another layer of capability to alert British Columbians.
14: As of April 6th, warnings will be sent out to anyone with an LTE smartphone who's in harm's way.
4: So if you're within a cell broadcasting area and the alert is sent to that tower, then if your phone is on, you'll receive that message. You'll, you'll get the alert tone, you'll feel the, the cell phone vibrate, and then that alert message will come out.
14: In B.C., the alerts will initially be restricted to tsunami warnings, but in time, it will go on to include any number of emergencies, including severe weather warnings, terrorist threats, and amber alerts. Of course, warning people is only half of what's needed to save lives. We all have to be prepared for whatever might come.
4: And that's a critical part of this, is making sure that people understand not to be apathetic. It isn't so big and scary that you start with a plan just for you or for your family. You put an emergency kit together.
14: The first test of the emergency alert system will take place on May 9th at 1.55 p.m. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
3: And a new study is shedding light on just how unprepared we are on a personal level. The study questioned 1,200 British Columbians and found 54% say while they do have an emergency plan, only 13% say it's complete. Most households have emergency supplies for up to three days, although in some cases, or in many cases, items are missing. Four in ten British Columbians report that they are equipped with an emergency kit in their car, while only three in ten have a kit at work, or a grab-and-go bag at home.
2: I have a grab-and-go bag, just not sure where I put it, <laughs> which kind of defeats the You should the try purpose, to find plund- right? it. Absolutely. <laughs> An update now on some of that breaking news in South Surrey. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team now confirming it received multiple calls around 1.30 today about a man standing in the middle of the intersection of 10th Avenue and 161A Street yelling in some type of distress.
3: Police and emergency health services were dispatched to the area. Once police arrived, attempts were made to speak with the man as police tried to gain control and take him into custody when he went into medical distress. EHS arrived and provided medical assistance. However, the man died at the scene. The area has now been cordoned off while the investigation continues.
11: A backdoor
3: exit for a pair of shoplifting suspects interrupted by police in Seattle. Officers busting them as they burst through the emergency exit of a local Costco. Their arms loaded with stolen laptops and vacuums. But it was the officers who cleaned up in the end. After responding to the call, police spotted the getaway driver backed up to the rear door. And when the doors opened, the suspects walked right into police.
2: Police or people in Austin, Texas are living in fear tonight as police hunt a serial package bomber who they say is getting bolder. Officials confirming a bomb that injured two young men in Austin last night is connected to three other blasts in recent weeks, two of them deadly. The latest bomb was left on the side of the road and triggered by a trip wire that the victims inadvertently walked through. The previous bombs were left on doorsteps and designed to look like mail deliveries. So far, there is no known motive in the serial attacks.
3: A tragedy in Arizona is raising new questions tonight about the safety of self driving cars. An autonomous Uber car struck and killed a pedestrian, the first Uber crash of its kind. Miguel Almaguer explains how the company is responding.
7: A 49 year old woman was struck and killed in this intersection in Tempe, Arizona. Police say she was not using the crosswalk when hit by a self-driving Uber like this one undergoing testing. Investigators say the car was in autonomous mode, with a safety driver behind the wheel. Our investigation did not show at this time that there were significant signs of the vehicle slowing down. This is the first pedestrian death by an autonomous vehicle on a public road. Today, Uber suspending testing of self-driving vehicles in Tempe, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and Toronto. The company saying our hearts go out to the victim's family. We're fully cooperating with Tempe police. We are definitely moving much too
4: quickly in terms of getting these things on the road in a location where you have pedestrians, where you have bicyclists, where you have people pushing their children in strollers.
7: With the NTSB set to investigate, Uber self-driving vehicles are touted by the company as
6: safe. No matter their surroundings, these vehicles never get distracted.
7: While self-driving Ubers have been involved in accidents like this one in Tempe last year, caused by another vehicle, this is the first fatality. But will it put the brakes on what's described as the car sharing of the future?
2: Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. In health matters tonight, B.C. says it's committed to giving more people faster access to dental surgery just over six thousand dental surgeries are done in bc hospitals every year beginning next month the province will add nine hundred more operations this year currently fifteen percent of british Columbians wait longer than twenty six weeks for dental surgery the health minister says the province is working with the bc dental association to improve wait time guidelines this re- represents the largest one-time increase in history but we felt that qualitatively, the wait times were too long, that qualitatively, people were suffering in pain too long. The surgeries will be performed at 52 hospitals across the province, including B.C. Children's, where the new Tech Acute Care Center will have two operating rooms dedicated to dental procedures.
1: Global and the Vancouver International Auto Show are giving you the
3: chance to win a Chevrolet Bolt EV. Today's code word is compact. Enter now. It was arguably the most dramatic election in the province's history. But the details behind the confidence vote that toppled Christy Clark's liberal government last June have not been revealed until now.
2: In a new book co-written by global news reporter Richard Zussman, we are getting the inside story on what really went down at Government House. In favor, say it
12: aye. started with a confidence vote.
6: All those opposed
2: say nay.
12: With that, the B.C. Liberal reign
6: was over. This house stands adjourned until further notice.
12: A new book by myself and Vancouver Sun columnist Rob Shaw details the inside story into what happened next. Clark made her way to Government House. She went inside to meet with Lieutenant Governor Judith Gishaw and did exactly what she promised not to. The book contains this conversation. Here's my letter of resignation and here's my advice to you, began Clark. You should dissolve the legislature because no party can govern there. The only way a party can govern is by perverting the rules of our democracy. But although Clark was in government house for well over an hour and a half, most of that time was actually spent outside of the meeting with the lieutenant
7: governor. She was in there for 45 minutes. It doesn't sound like Judith Gishon was particularly receptive to the arguments she was making for a new election.
12: When Clark came out that night, she stood right here and she said this.
14: The lieutenant governor and I had a very good, long conversation, as I think you can guess, given the amount of time that we were there. And so she has now retired to make her decision. But there were questions
12: about whether it would have made a difference if Clark had actually stood here and said she asked the lieutenant governor for another election.
7: There's an argument out there that if Christy Clark had come outside of government house and said that she had asked the LG for an election, it might have forced Judith Guichon's hand to actually call one.
12: That moment led to this. (laughs) The million-dollar phone call from Guichon's office to Horgan's team. This is how Horgan described his feelings on the way to Government House. Quote, I know she's going to ask me to form a government. I just know it. In my bones, I can feel it, he said in an interview for this book. And then the NDP leader's arrival at Government House 15 minutes after that phone call. For the first time, a public account of the conversation between Horgan and Guichon. Quote, can you form a government, asked Guishaw. Yes, said Horgan. Well, best of luck, concluded Guishaw. There's also this picture, public now for the first time. The only picture of Horgan and Guishaw together in government house. Horgan then emerging from his meeting.
0: I look forward to working uh, harder than I've ever worked before. That picture wouldn't be their
12: last together. Premier-designate Horgan would soon become Premier Horgan, with Guichon swearing him in at the end of July. Aye. I- All the ups and downs truly... A matter of confidence. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
2: Oh my God, no, 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 no. One ride on the slingshot, two very different reactions coming up right after the weather forecast with Yvonne.
3: You, know, <laughs> I, you don't want to laugh at someone else's I know. terror, but I, you can't help it really in this case.
2: She does have fun with it and is laughing at the end, <laughs> at the very end.
3: <laughs> and we're going
15: to be laughing with her. Let's go mm-hmm. with that. Right.
3: <laughs> Spring starts tomorrow, Yvonne. So the calendar says.
15: Yes, officially at nine fifteen, but it may not feel like it, and I'll show you why in just a moment. A look at the beautiful sunset this evening. We managed to see a few breaks in the cloud, depending on where you were this afternoon, and we'll still look at the, some unsettled weather with the potential to see some shower activity over the next few days. Temperature sitting at eight with the southwesterly wind at six kilometers per hour. Our high today was closer to ten. Close to the or a touch cooler to the average for this time of the year that sits at 12. Current temperature for areas near Whistler sitting at 5 degrees, 9 for Abbotsford, Victoria sitting closer to 9 in the Malahat with your current temperature at 7 degrees. We are keeping a close eye. The next weather maker is going to come off the Gulf, Gulf of Alaska. It's going to push in across the entire province, and with it, we'll start to see a change with cooler temperatures. Once again, spring officially arrives tomorrow at 9:15 in the morning, and that's where we see the most direct rays of the sun move north of the equator so we will welcome it tomorrow but it's not going to feel just quite like it and this is why the upper level chart is showing us that low that is going to come in across the province is going to bring the cooler temperatures on wednesday we are looking at the potential for showers thursday onwards the snow level is also going to drop we are looking at the potential for some wet snowfall for the first days into spring and we're keeping a close eye leading into the weekend with that moisture that is going to be pushing in. The northern half of the province for tomorrow with Prince Rupert at 6 degrees, on and off showers. A few breaks for areas near Smithers. Fort Nelson for the early morning hours. There is a chance to see flurries changing over to showers. The Peace should remain dry underneath a mainly cloudy sky and it's for the central interior and right along the Rockies that we are looking at flurries for the morning hours, changing over to a chance of showers. So it is going to remain unsettled with an increase in cloud cover for most areas across the interior tomorrow. A Soyuz, though, still bumping up to a high of 10 degrees. Areas near Whistler could see that transition of flurries over to showers. And eastern sections into Hope will look at showers for the morning hours and then a heavier round of rain does start to push in late in the day. Across the south coast for Victoria, are bumping up to 10 degrees. Eastern sections of the island ranging between 8 and 9 degrees. Abbotsford tomorrow and stretching into the valley with a high of 10. For our first day of spring, we are going to see a chance of showers hanging onto that cloud cover. will bump up to 11 degrees. And then Wednesday onwards, it is going to remain quite unsettled and quite chilly, especially for overnight lows, so we're keeping a close eye for that wet snowfall. Tonight's weather window is sent in from Carla Starr, a beautiful sunset in Prince Rupert. Guys.
2: Well done, Carla.
15: Thank you very much, Yvonne. And now back to that
3: amusement park thrill ride in the video that's going viral.
2: Two Florida State University soccer players with two very different reactions to the slingshot ride.
8: Do we know
14: where we're going to go? <laughs>
15: Listeners on CNW <laughs> right now. You're in your car listening.
2: Sorry, now you're <laughs> watching see the, video. That's right. You see the credit on the on the thing there. If you can't see it, Megan Connolly. That's the one who's screaming. You don't want to laugh at the, at the sheer terror, but at the same time, you see her smiling. Now she's okay when she gets back down. Because it's bottom. over. It's over. That's right.
3: <laughs> she looked like <laughs> like she <laughs> was gonna lose it.
6: Well, the thing is, if you go on those rides. You hate yourself for the rest of your life. <laughs>
3: yeah.
6: Because then you start reliving it. Like, I, I went on a ride once. I won't say which one it is. Freaked me out. And I, that night when I went to bed, I was still mad at myself. <laughs> Even though I was still alive, yeah. I didn't chuck it all over my body. It the one with
3: yeah. the chili? That
6: no, 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 the chili one wasn't so bad, actually.
2: That was actually excellent television. That was good television. See, <laughs> they should
6: have done that eating chili. Then it would have been you frightening and fun.
8: Nice.
2: Some
6: controversy. Well, it's been the going Whitecaps. on since Saturday. And uh, the Whitecaps are still not happy, mm-hmm. not surprised. That, that video review in the game against Atlanta, and then after the video review, they gave Kendall Waston the red card, and there was a penalty kick, and then Atlanta won 4-1. to It was all because the uh, ref, after looking at the video, alleged that Waston had elbowed one of the Atlanta players in the head. Now, the Caps are protesting the call in hopes the red card is overturned. They know the result isn't going to get changed. That's just the way it is. But they want to get the red car overturned so Waston doesn't have to get a suspension. So here is what happened again. Take a look. And it's hard to see here. I think the player for Atlanta is actually trying to run a pick. Is it there the hook? And he gets knocked down by Waston. But did Waston throw a flagrant elbow? I mean, I don't know. If this is all the video they had to work with, this is about as clear as the video from the Blair Witch Project. But whatever the case, the ref, after looking, said, Nope, you get a red card. And this referee has thrown out three white caps in 16 white cap games that he's ref. I don't know if he doesn't like Vancouver or it's just a coincidence. Whatever the case, Vancouver's going to protest that, and so they should. Okay. So for many Whitecap fans who are looking forward to the draft lottery, losses are wins from here on out. And the Canucks have been winning a lot when it comes to losing, if you see what I mean. Only Buffalo and Arizona are below them in the standings, and they could drop Vancouver to last overall if they both win their games tonight. But remember, finishing dead last only gives you an 18% chance of winning the draft lottery and picking first overall. In the NHL lottery, you actually have a better chance of going backwards than you do holding your spot. Predators and Sabres. Jack Eichel, P.K. Subban. There's a chance for the Sabres. Casey Nelson, breakaway. Oh, he loses the puck. How Buffalo Sabre up him. Well, I know Tank Nation was hoping for a Buffalo upset. Not going to happen. Mike Fisher deflects this one in to make it 1-0 in the second period. And Port Moody's Ryan Johansson is going to knock in a rebound from Victor Arvidsson. The Predators... Very much a Stanley Cup contender again this year. And the Sabres are still below the Canucks in the standings after a 4-0 loss. All right. WHL playoffs will start this week. Thursday is the first game of the playoffs. Kelowna at home, the Tri-Cities. Vancouver, I guess, Tri-City. Vancouver back in the playoffs. They'll be taking on Victoria game one in the Capital City on Friday. Now, one of the toughest jobs in sports is play-by-play, especially on radio. Because not only do you have to keep people informed of what's going on, you have to do it in a manner that paints a picture that we can only see in our minds. It takes a special breed with a special drive to do that job. Giants play-by-play man Dan O'Connor is one who has had the dream of doing it since he was a kid.
9: Buckle up. It's going to be a good one tonight. A BC Division rivalry renewed.
5: Between the Vancouver Giants and the Kelowna Rockets. Dan O'Connor's first year in the broadcast booth as the voice of the Vancouver Giants has been a memorable one. He's called every one of Ty Ronning's club record 61 goals and witnessed firsthand the rebirth of a franchise that is playoff bound for the first time in four seasons.
9: It's been really amazing. Um, a dream come true truthfully to uh, to represent the Vancouver Giants to call hockey games for the Vancouver Giants and and just to wear the logo around town.
5: And here come the Giants. Long before wearing a headset as a child Dan would take his tape recorder to the old Pacific the Coliseum Giants. and call games the from the nosebleed time. section. But his affinity for hockey and love of the Vancouver Giants runs far deeper than the decibels of the action he packs into a microphone. Growing up, Dan's big brothers were the Vancouver Giants. I
9: remember when my my parents approached me about you know how would you feel if we billeted for a junior hockey player and I was an only child growing up so the the concept of sharing my space with a Vancouver Giant was a bit weird at first
5: The O'Connor family photo album could double as a partial Giants alumni registry Stuart Theiston and Mitch Seaborn players who the O'Connors opened up their home to remain beloved family members to this day it's a giant bond that's only getting stronger for them.
9: You go to a wedding of a player that billeted into your house. You you talk to them. You know, I mean, they've, they've been friendships that I've had now for going on 10-plus years. 40 seconds into a scoreless first period. I fell in love with the WHL because of the Vancouver Giants. And, you know, 12, 13 years later, to be sitting here in this office getting ready for a playoff series as their broadcaster, it's... Uh, It's amazing how things can kind of come full circle.
1: But for the first time...
6: World Women's Curling Championships, Jennifer Jones. And the Canadians against China. They were down 3-1 at one point. This is the ninth end. (laughs) (laughs) Two for us, two more, makes it 9-5 Canada, 4-0, as are the Swedes. There you go. Excellent. Here's today's snow report. Just a dusting of snow on some of the mountains this past weekend and today, but bases remain strong. Whistler Blackcomb just under 300 centimeters, Grouse 415, Cypress 408, and Sasquatch 381. Revelstoke Base 253 centimeters, Mounting Park 208, Powder King 267, and Mount Washington 221. Southern Interior Base at Big White 304, Silver Star 254, Sun Peaks 230, and Apex 279.
2: On the last full day of winter, it seems fitting that our uh, athletes are coming back from Mm. the Winter Olympics and Paralympics, and man, they really like Pyeongchang.
6: Oh, Pyeongchang was very good to Canada. Mm -hmm. Our Winter Olympians had their best ever medal haul. Our Canadian Paralympians also came home with their... (laughs) What did I just see that for? (laughs) Their best ever medal haul, too. I'll get myself checked. Don't worry. These are the only passengers in the world right now who are quite happy if they set off a metal detector because that means they've won and Canada's Paralympians came back from South Korea with 28 medals which is a new record for this country.
13: Gold in um, the super combined, silver in the slalom and then bronze both in downhill and GS.
6: Jepsen, who is from West Vancouver, was the one who won Canada's first medal. Now, officials went into the Paralympics thinking Canada would be good to get 16. As it turned out, they got 12 more than that.
13: Going into the games, everybody was super prepared, super ready, just like a super awesome support staff. So. Yeah, I think everybody's super happy. We got like not only lots of medals, but lots of top five, top ten finishes. Um, like, I think the whole team pulled off top ten, top five, so it's been, it's been really successful for us.
6: Ten of Canada's medals came from cross-country skiing. Salmon Arms' Natalie Wilkie, at just the age of 17, won gold, silver, and bronze, and her friend Emily Young of Kelowna came home with a silver and a bronze around her neck.
10: Well, I had an incredible cheering squad when I was there. My family, my parents and my sister were there. My husband was there. Um, a lot of friends and family cheering from home. Um, I had a great support from the Hollyburn Ski Club local from here, and they helped me a lot getting started into Nordic.
6: And everyone used the inspiration of cross-country skier Brian McKeever as well. He now has the Canadian record of 17 Paralympic medals, and he was also the one... Who led Canada out at the opening ceremonies as the flag bearer?
2: Uh, first chance to go to the opening ceremonies in my career, and to have the chance to carry the Canadian flag is always a huge honor. I, at the time, I'm not sure we knew that we would have such a good games, but uh, you know it feels uh, feels good to be a part of that, and uh, also to have Mark Kerrins carry the flag out, out of the stadium showed how uh, how well cross country did the, this games.
6: Wow, Brian McKeever is a great athlete. He oh, was yeah. the one who qualified for the Olympics and right. the Paralympics in 2010. Incredible. But
3: he didn't—he didn't compete. He didn't compete. No,
6: he didn't right? compete. The coach changed, uh, changed athletes, and didn't get a chance to ski for Canada. He's visually, visually impaired. Mm-hmm. That's why he's in the Paralympics.
3: But that a terrific athlete. Doesn't stop him at all. No,
6: no, mm-hmm. incredible.